This show was made at Access Radio Taranaki with help from New Zealand On Air. To find more local content, go to www.accessradiotaranaki.com. Our mission here at the Talking Taiao podcast is to inspire and support people, businesses and communities to value the environment and act to prioritise sustainability. We would like to highlight our region's efforts in acting as guardians of the land, Taranaki Tiaki Taiao, while weaving Te Reo Māori and Matauranga within our conversations to help our wider community learn through a positive, educational and uplifting lens. Kia ora and thanks for listening in on the Talking Tile podcast once again. Thanks to Access Radio for supporting our kaupapa and of course to Sustainable Taranaki for driving this uh, initiative. Alvisa here in the studio with a very good friend and inspiring uh, wahine toa, um, Alison Cole. Thank you for joining us on this episode, Alison. No, Mitty, thanks for having me. Oh, good. Um, thanks so much for coming in and for, because you're not based in Taranaki full time, but because you're involved in so many things just like myself. Um, if you could start by int- introducing um, yourself and your mahi and your, yeah, your journey to what you're doing now. Ai, kia ora. So that places me uh, down at Ohawe, um, which is quite close to Hawera. Um I work as a climate law um, specialist that takes me into um, litigation. So at the moment, uh, I have a case where we are suing the government about two new oil permits that were issued um, here in Taranaki. And I also have um, uh, research that I'm doing through Victoria University. That's currently under my PhD, where I'm trying to make the argument that climate change is a crime against humanity. So my original uh, first career was as a war crimes investigator. So I spent about 20 years um, with the United Nations deployed in different war zones, And I actually found that the dynamics um, with greenhouse gases and the changes on our natural world and all the complicated systems that have caused uh, the situation, so that's capitalism, that's colonialism, I kind of started to realise that this was reaching that same threshold of severity um, as we see in atrocity crimes. So that's uh, kind of when I started to realise more and more of my work needed to um, respond to the climate crisis. That's heavy stuff. <laughs> what a way to start the podcast. <laughs> um, yeah, because I, I only knew about the climate stuff, but I didn't realise the war crime side of your mahi. Because um, one of the biggest things um, that recently came out in our local news was that you were... Um, what's it called? Elected to the bar, or yes, or, yes, yeah, yes. Um, as a lawyer, an actual lawyer, you're a lawyer, um, <laughs> and you're doing your PhD, which means you'll be a doctor and a lawyer. So that's <laughs> so inspiring. That's so inspiring, and I hope that any young wahine listening uh, to this episode um, learns, you know, learns something about themselves and also how they can um, they are capable 
um, and have the ability to achieve just as much as you're achieving, which is an immense amount, and it's a lot of emotional heavy, heavy stuff. Um, so because that's so heavy, and like, why would anyone want to pursue that path? Um, could you tell me a bit about where that inspiration came from looking further back before your um, war crime studies? Yeah, good question. Um, I kind of have a lot of belief in the role of our ancestors in our everyday life. I see it manifest uh, continually and I think I really probably had a path um, that was laid out before for me before I really fully realised that there were these um, forces and influences that had that kind of intergenerational drive in them. So being, being from uh, Taranaki, you know, we've had such an intense history. There were war crimes committed here to the point that the Waitangi Tribunal characterised it as a holocaust for our um, Ngāti Ruanui uh, tribunal judgment. So I think in a way, I, I mean, I've asked myself the same question because I'm like, it was such a weird path to, to find myself on and it just felt like it, it, it all was unfolding and uh, it was inevitable. And I think that's, in a way, some form of comfort because I do think within all of us we have this kind of combination of our own natural talents and the universe around us kind of um, unfolding that pathway. But I do believe, too, as New Zealanders from Aotearoa, we have such a close relationship with our uh, whenua. And for me, that relationship with the environment um, very early on became evidence. Uh, it was very much also a social issue. So I went through foster care. So I saw a lot of, like, I moved around a lot. I saw a lot of different parts of the country uh, from a very young age. And I feel like um, as I moved around both rural, city, it was almost like an intensive a like um, a natural environment course or some sort um, as, as a youngster and because I was kind of in more of a challenging social situation too I definitely uh, sensed as a, even as a young person that kind of interplay between nature and community um, and just those questions like why was it that I when I grew up in Porirua in state housing there were no trees but when I was moved um, out to Waiheke of all places in the 80s, of course that's a very um, abundant, uh, rich environment and of course that's reflected socioeconomically as well. So just you can see how just as a kid you can kind of piece together these things. Yeah. And yeah, I think as well because I had that intense uh, challenge as a foster kid, like there was... There was a lot of yuck stuff. There was a lot of violence and a lot of intensity. It was just so confusing. And I think I wanted to understand, like, how do all these things fit together? So from a really, really early age, I had that hunger for justice. Mm. And I think as, as I was lucky to grow up in the 80s because there was so much social consciousness and, and mainstream discussion about law like we had we had the the nuclear protests we had the fights at the international court of justice about um the rainbow warrior bombing 
we had drift net fishing bans, we had the, the anti-whaling uh, treaty to protect our, our um, ocean mammals. So I think part of me in this drive for justice, like we had awesome national figures leading this in the international setting. And I, I think that just interplayed with my natural curiosity. Like I just needed to know like how bad could things be and why and what can we do about them? That is very inspiring stuff. Like it's funny because you've you've got quite a similar background to Hohepa who runs Best Sewed. Um, oh. I like saying it like that because it's got three eyes in it. Oh, cool. <laughs> um, but he does podcasts with lots of different types of people. But he has a very similar background, sort of um, jumping between foster care and stuff like that. And he now is an indigenous like advisor for Shopify, and it's interesting seeing. It's funny how things sort of manifest later on in life and how your journey sort of contributes to where you end up or what you end up doing. And as you've sort of illustrated or demonstrated that it can be a progressive thing. It doesn't have to, you don't have to end up as a lawyer for one particular thing. Like it's really great that we can see people's careers changing according to areas that they feel needs more mahi put into it. Um, So that's, really intense, heavy stuff, but also super inspiring. And and very, um, for me, I kind of feel a bit more hope for humanity with people like yourself in those roles doing that kind of mahi. Because you take on a lot of emotional debt in these roles, and, and you've previously told me a little bit more about that side of things. Um, it's almost time for a song, um, but just quickly, is there... Is there a particular time during your career that you feel you have made a bit of an impact? Actually, yes, right now. Cool. <laughs> and the thing, the thing that gives me the most hope, and I love that you're you're seeing that, um, and I do feel very hopeful too, is when you're looking in your own backyard. So my house is within eyesight of Waimangoro, and we've been. Um, for, for decades and decades, uh, working to do our kaitiakitanga with our awa. And just to see concrete things, so meaning you can, you know, trundle down to your nearest awa, um, sign up to community programs, um, uh, like the work that you do, so many awesome community groups that you're part of, but one that I'm part of with you, Mountains to Sea. You can sign up to uh, any... A whole range of amazing katiakitanga community programs and I trundle down to my local awa and I do um, water sampling. I work with my local apu, my iwi um, and you can concretely see these tangible improvements and it's a, it's thrilling, it's thrilling and it just gives I think community hope and it's awesome. Cool. So if you um, would like to introduce your next song, uh, sorry, the song that we're going to play next, um, and then we'll talk more about that after. Cool. Yes, so I've chosen a song from the album Rhombus, which I think is actually the best album of all time ever created in the history of music, is by a New Zealand group. I believe it might have been their only album, but this song is called uh, Got to Step It Up. It's kind of like on theme, I thought, for your podcast, but it's just the sound of summer and I put it on at this time every year, so I hope you guys like it. (laughs) 
for that song. That's really beautiful. Um, on to the next half. We you, you covered so much in the first half. It's, it's quite a lot to sort of flesh out. We could talk about this for a really long time, especially you know pre-climate change justice stuff. But um, as a whole, specifically, how do you feel all that mahi or even parts of that mahi tie into sustainability? Yeah, I am. Um, sustainability, I think, is really um, at the heart of everything. Um, I see. I see that a lot of where we are now with with climate change, even with social justice, a lot of it is about these very big, heavy, complicated systems, such as capitalism, such as colonialism, and even just the way we structure our democracy, you know, the way our uh, economic structure is set up. And um, it's not based on a sustainable model, like the, the whole idea was uh, extractive, you know, we we talk about our extractive industries, especially here in Taranaki, and that's a one-way process, right? You take something out and, and you're not putting back in, it's a one-way uh, conveyor belt. And even the way we think about te taiao, like it, 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 we're quite comfortable using the word natural resources. And that fascinates me too, because it's again putting a, a kind of extractive model over nature and um, the interesting thing is we are even now getting within those formal structures within kind of elite economic thought or even within some of the top leadership um, in, in our country in other countries in big international um, organizations even within those mainstream spaces that are part of these these elites people are realizing is actually not able to we, we can't continue how we are right now and the thing that we keep coming back to even in those elite circles these these thought leaders you know they're they're saying to us that we need to stop this one-way system of extraction and we need uh, to talk about sustainability so they're not always Using the word sustainability, um, people might have heard of like the circular economy or um, the donut uh, economics, economics, which again is based on this kind of idea of a, a circle of um, finite development, like we can't just keep expanding and expanding and we can't have growth and growth on a, on a finite planet, like there's some kind of logical um, problem with that concept. So you can see that all of these new ideas that we're being told by these quote-unquote experts, like the new idea, even within that kind of mainstream space, is talking about sustainability. And the thing that really inspires me is that this is a, a matauranga Māori concept since way back, you know, and... It just gives me so much joy to see that's like, finally, it's like a justice <laughs> component in me that's always looking for that resolution and realisation that Māori were right all along, Indigenous communities worldwide were sustaining and working with the environment um, in a respectful um, relationship since the beginning of time for 
indigenous communities and yeah to me um, that's how I see the, the idea of sustainability coming through in our everyday lives and, and the last piece of that is just I think as an individual we feel like we have a lot on our shoulders and we can do the best that we can do but I think when we're talking about these big big structures like how does the economy work we have to realize that an individual going about their nine to five, like there's not much we can do, but we can elect leaders such as yourself who work within those big like structural polit political spaces to try to advocate those big structural changes that we need. So namae to you, Ehoa, for that awesome work. Oh, kia ora. <laughs> kia ora. Um, thanks. It's, yeah, I, it's easy to forget when you're in it just how important your role is or, or the contribution that you're making on behalf of other people who share the same co-papa as you. Um, <clears throat> so for, you know, New Plymouth constituency, we've got five seats. We've got someone who's been an ex-mayor. We've got a, a surfer um, leader and um, a, someone with a financing background, myself. Um, and it's easy to forget that people are thinking environmentally, but they don't always... They don't often have people that they can relate to or share their co-papa standing for those leadership roles. Um, and so, yeah, if there's anyone out there thinking about stepping up and using your using your um, your voice on behalf of other people who share the same co-papa as you, we've ha we've had a lot of a, a particular type of leadership in the past, and diversity is a good thing, and having expertise in in something different is also a really good thing. Um, people really appreciate when people step outside their comfort zone to take on those um, those really big roles. And it can be, like you said, emotionally draining, but it's also really important mahi. And, and it doesn't have to be forever. And the whole point of accumulating that knowledge about the system and being part of it is so that you can pass it on to the next generation so that they can do the next step of betterment for our communities and our mokopuna. Um so that's just kind of like another layer of, of awesome. what you just talked about. Awesome. Um, yeah. Thank you for that, Totoko. <laughs> it's really, really nice. Thank to you. Have it's those hard reminders. work, so we appreciate our leaders. Thank you. Yeah. I feel like there's like a two way sort of like, thank you for your mahi, thank you for your mahi, you're amazing, you're amazing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and it's, you know, when you surround yourself with people who share those ideals and share that, that those, um, in a way, sometimes it can be a struggle, you know, like sharing that emotional struggle with each other and realizing, okay, we're not in this alone. We're sharing this and some sometimes burdens, um, but we're also making progress. And it's really important to look back on, on all that progress, like you said earlier, with the mahi down on the awa um, and being able to see that progress and also the changes, the behavioural changes in the communities around you. So New Plymouth District Council have started campaigns. Um, they've got a climate change strategy. Even Taranaki Regional Council has a climate change strategy that awesome. they're working on. Awesome, awesome. Um, which I'll share with you. Yes, um, please. I might yes. talk to somebody at Regional Council if they're willing to, to um, in a future episode. Hopefully I've put it on this episode now, so I'm kind of holding it... <laughs> You know, accountability, accountability yeah. for myself. Um, but yeah, thank you again for all your work. Um, it, it sounds really tough, but inspiring. You know, um, just going back to your local mahi, what made you want to go from the UN back to your local awa and local apu? Oh wow! Yeah, so 
um, I was very close to my koro and my gran. And uh, as I was going through foster care, they were like my um, rock. And my koro was, um, he he did wood carving. Um, so he was a whakairo, like, expert. And I, it really gave me that... Um, the the pride, you know, Taranaki had pride and proud of of my wano. And yet when they passed when I was young, I I think there's always a lot of confusion with loss, you know. And I think as well when you're separated from your whenoa, there's something weird that happens, and I, I wonder, uh, us as Taranaki, we have an extra complication because of our history with the with the confiscations and the separation from our whenua. So I was nervous to come back. I mean, I think this, the more that I've spoken about it, the, the, the fear of going back to the park because I've been away, and it just... Um, grows as your as time passes and it feels like you you're lost and you can never go back because it you know you think oh it's it's been a year oh no it's been two years oh it's been a decade it's been two decades how can I go back so I knew that I always had that pride and I guess that that aroha and the longing to be home and I, especially as a foster kid that concept of home is like very very heavy very very not heavy, but like it has its own like emotional like wrap around that I was just like, wow, this is too much work. But since since getting older and I'm in my 40s now, so I feel like it's natural with, with a life trajectory that you're suddenly, you know, some things are really worth um, uh, embracing the fear. And it was that worthiness of home and Ohana and Whenua that eventually, yeah, found me back um, in Ohawe. And actually, I think it's a real positive of the pandemic. Um, and I, I, I don't mean that came out wrong. Like, really, <laughs> you know, it's, it's a horrific um, crisis that we're facing. But part of me is also thinking in terms of, you know, sometimes they talk about you need disruptions. Um, in order to have big positive changes. So maybe it's just the internal optimist in me, but I really am a little bit like, wow, we're so lucky. Like this this work, this ma'i, this this like big kaupapa is heavy, like you said, and it's it can be draining and you really deal with a lot of conflict on a daily basis because you're trying to change uh, practices and farms that are plugged into like a whole like economic trade system that is you know pretty hard to change on a you know farmer to community member level but on the other hand it's like this might be the first time in hundreds of years like since the industrial revolution that we can really imagine reimagine like our future and to do it in a way that gets us back to yeah, to kaupapa Māori, to matauranga Māori, to tinoranga tiratanga, to like indigenous and harmonious practices with um, te taiao. So in a way, it's like really exciting. <laughs> that is really exciting, and it's really exciting being an observer as tauiwi um, to see that empowerment go back to the people of the land. 
um, and seeing the acknowledgement of, oh, Matauranga Māori was an observational science. It just didn't have a translation at the time to Western science. And so it's really great to see, you know, our government starting to implement Matauranga Māori within policies and, and working with te taiao, um, um, starting from things like giving uh, the Whanganui River and, and Taranaki Maunga those entities as a living thing as, as something with its own rights because they provide us, they are a living thing. You know, when people go out to space and they look down on the earth, there's that marble effect where they realise, oh my gosh, like we are a microbe on this living planet um, and we're starting to make those connections between, you know, local, um, the mahi that is actually starting to t- take care of um where we live in our in, in our own backyard, um, so that's really cool to hear the the progression of you know your life experiences going out into the world, getting global context, political context, and then coming back to your whenua um, to make those changes in your own backyard and, and connect with the people that you know um, yeah your whanau and stuff. So thank you so much for sharing that journey with us and thank you so much for inspiring us with the mahi that you've achieved and you continue to achieve um, and all those ripples that you're creating in your in your local community This show is created and made possible by Sustainable Taranaki. Sustainable Taranaki is a charitable trust that was started in 1992 in Inglewood by a group of progressive environmentalists. It now has grown and expanded its reach but keeps the same vision of prioritizing our environment and educating the community. This show was first broadcast on Access Radio Taranaki 104.4 FM, thanks to New Zealand On Air.